I'm afraid we're going to be heading down that road more and more. There's probably three main niche genres in American cinema at the moment. Um, the first is the, for want of a better word, black movies, and they're usually um, the maddier films, none of which you've probably ever seen, and they all get trashed by critics. They're all bawdy, farcical comedies. They usually only focus on African-American family situations, you know. So there's, there's definitely at least one where he dresses up as the matriarch and she's massive and the humour is very broad, but it relates to African-American communities in ways that other films don't. And um, they all come out, they all do about 60, 70 million at the box office. They release one every year. There's probably a dozen of them. They've all got crucified by critics for being absolutely appalling and they've got a little fan base. And the other one is the most critically trash, which is the evangelical Christian movies. And there is at least one a year of those. And some of these have got like zero on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's just been very, very painful movies that only play to a certain audience that is already of a certain, you know, they're not, it, it, like the word evangelical means the opposite of what these films are. These are preaching to the converted. They're not turning anybody at all towards christianity they're very painful movies god's not dead was one of the most famous ones i think it got about eight percent on rotten tomatoes and they come out every year they don't cost a lot to make they make 50 60 million dollars at the box office and the other is a is a much more hard to define genre and that is basically at its most base level the fox news idealized patriot movie but that doesn't do it fav any favour at all. Some of them are, you know, they, there was um, the one of the most recent ones, was it 12 Hours or something, in, in Benghazi. Following the, um, following the events of Benghazi, which they've hammered Hillary Clinton about for so many years. Uh, but there have been very interesting films along the way. Uh, and these films come out and they're all... And they're all sort of like these patriotic military films, but they're not just patriotic military films. For me, it extends to other films. Um, a couple starring uh, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Event Horizon, and the one about the firefighters. They were brilliant. They were really good. So it's more like blue-collar slash patriot movies. And not all of them have a political slant. They just don't have an anti-slant. So if they're war films, they're very much telling this, uh, the story of the soldier the Ameri from the American perspective, from the American patriot perspective. But some of the times that doesn't get in the way at all. Uh, Mark Wahlberg did a, a, another one. He's like the king of these movies. Lone Survivor was uh, about an incredible story. I think even era, uh, Afghanistan where a whole troop basically got wiped out, including a helicopter, and he was the last guy to get out alive um, after they were pursued, I think, by the Taliban. But it's a great film, really hard watch as well. Very kinetically brutal violence in it uh, and hard-edged as well. And I love the firefighter film. I can't. We, was it Something with Heroes that came out last year? That was excellent. Event Horizon is excellent as well. Um, and they, so they, they, you know, they, they can focus on soldiers or firefighters or, or police. The Boston Marathon one was... Terrible. I didn't like that at all. That was so uneven. Um, but the latest in these, uh, Ameri like American Sniper, you know, they, they go all the way up to high-budget mainstream films as well. And I was really disappointed with American Sniper because of how limited it was. The Clint Eastwood directed one. It was just very, very basic in its reading of things. Well, 12 Strong is the latest to come out, and it tells the true story of the first incursion 
into Afghanistan by American soldiers uh, of any note after September the 11th. All these guys are in a troop together uh, and they've been sort of grounded in, in America for a, for a while. And then as soon as September the 11th happens, they all want to go off and fight in, in Afghanistan. Um, and they end up basically going on this, I don't even know what they were thinking. Like the mission that they're sent on is so ludicrous. How anyone thought that they weren't just all going to die, and maybe that's what they wanted, I don't know. But they're sent deep, deep, deep into Afghanistan, 12 of them with no backup, no possibility of backup. And at the time, the Taliban were in control of Afghanistan. The Americans believed the Taliban were a safe haven for Osama bin Laden and uh, they were facilitating his strongholds in the mountains of Afghanistan. They didn't think that uh, the Taliban were responsible for external terrorist threats, but they thought that they were enabling him. Like the whole concept that you can go and invade a foreign country because there might be a terrorist hiding in that country. You know, 15 years later, there's a lot of other people that have been punished because of these actions. And at the time, because of America supporting the Mujahideen, who were the Taliban for 10 years throughout the 1980s, um, the country was a bit of a basket case. But basically, it was riven by warlords. And there were, I think, three main groups uh, that weren't the Taliban and the Taliban. And there wasn't a huge amount of difference between them, except the religious aspect of the Taliban being very, very hardline Islamist. Um, but the other warlords also had massive, massive problems with them uh, to this day. Uh, and this was about helping one of the warlords become the preeminent force that America could back in Afghanistan to defeat the preeminent force that they'd previously backed in Afghanistan. Um, so this guy's got no chance of overthrowing the Taliban. So these 12 guys go along with them to uh, use their location to uh, pinpoint bombing raids by B-52 bombers, those ginormous, biggest ever bombers, uh, and use that air superiority to overthrow the Taliban and the leader of the Taliban at that time. And the whole notion is just so ludicrously dangerous. Now, you show a helicopter flight at the start, and how they thought that they were even going to get in, let alone, you know, they go up to 25,000 feet in this Chinook, they've got no oxygen, People are passing out and throwing up and, and it's 10,000 feet above where the helicopter's supposed to actually, the altitude it's supposed to operate at. Once they get there, there's only horses. That's one of the most ludicrous parts about this. They make out that none of them have ridden horses before, apart from one person. There's no way that you can ride alongside these Afghan warlords who've lived their whole lives on the horseback carrying military equipment, fighting battles. If you've never ridden a horse before, you know how difficult riding a horse is? The, they just jump on them and in the next five seconds they're fighting. Uh, the cast, as with all of these films, is, is pretty spectacular. Chris Hemsworth is the lead guy. He's a captain that's never been to war before, but all of his staff actually do really love him. Uh, Michael Shannon's his... I always love Michael Shannon. He's the second in command. Michael Peña is another actor I really, really like. Uh, so it's got, a, it's got a fantastic cast. Um, and quite a few other very famous people that you see uh, throughout as well. Uh, and Chris Hensworth's wife is played by... So who's the other guy? Because he turns up in so many films. Uh, William Fichtner. You would know him in a heartbeat. He's in so many films. 
Um, but Elsa Patake, Patake, I didn't realise she's this unbelievably gorgeous woman that was in um, the Fast and the Furious franchise. She was a Brazilian cop who ends up getting together with Van Diesel uh, in Fast and Furious 5 and also has a an untimely desire, demise, I think, in 6. Um, she's, <clears throat> she's sort of like the stay-at-home mum and there's not really any more elements put to that role, uh, which is a shame. I'd really like to see more of her in films and I just was shocked that she's been married to Chris Hemsworth for about eight years now. Um, so basically, they go off to uh, to Afghanistan and they start this mission. It's it's got over, overtones of Rambo three, if you get my drift. Um, they're sort of holed up with this horseback crew going through, trying to get to a particular town to overthrow this particular branch of the Taliban and enable American activities to to start improper in this country. And what did I think of it? Well, the director's uh, Nikolai Fugslig. Uh, who is, I think, Danish. He's never directed a film before. Um, this film has massive pros and massive cons to it. Um, I did really like the cast. I liked virtually all of the actors anyway, quite a lot. And everyone's pretty decent in it, but they aren't pushed. They don't draw these characters. They're caricatures. And um, People like uh, Michael Shannon and Michael Pena, and indeed Chris Hemsworth, are capable of a lot more nuance than they're ever given. And that's where this film really falls down. It's like it was made the day after September the 11th. It doesn't seem to have any awareness of the fact that all of these wars that America have gotten into haven't gone well, but potentially for the worst reasons possible. Um, And it it makes sort of no acknowledgement of the last 15 years at all. It presents a very dry, patriotic reading of why American troops went into Afghanistan. And it presents a very sort of dry reading of of the motivations of the locals as well and the warlords and politics of the region. There's no nuance. There's no depth at all. um, And that can be painful at times. It's not always there, though, because an awful lot of the movie is the battle sequences, which are really well handled. Um, The mountainous terrain is absolutely jaw-dropping. You know, we know Afghanistan as, as a war zone. We don't really know it as one of the most stunningly beautiful mountainous countries on Earth. Uh, and that is is the star of the show for me. A lot of the mountain settings and the fact that, you know, it's freezing cold and they're out there in the almost in the snow and how remote it is and how difficult it is weighing all these different tribes and different clans and how they relate to each other. I mean, they make a point about these three uh, Northern Alliance warlords if they fight the Taliban and the other one comes on the battlefield they'll stop fighting the Taliban and fight each other uh, and that could have they could have gone into so much more depth about that it would have made the film so much better um, interestingly the other film I mentioned Lone Survivor doesn't involve itself in politics at all it's purely a barbarically brutal following of these soldiers as they try and outrun this uh, much more superior force and that kind of gives it a, a get-out-of-jail-free. This one does stick its toe in political waters a fair few times and always in embarrassingly rote ways. Um, like I said, how you can't make a film about Iraq or Afghanistan now and not acknowledge everything that's happened because it's, it's, it's hard to watch. It's, it's, it's almost like someone's asked for a film to be made in 2003 that it doesn't acknowledge the, what happened afterwards. Um, 
if you like war films, um, I'd say you get enough out of this totally because it's 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 well shot and there's some good battles. Scenery is great. Main cast is really good. The warlord who is Navid Nigga Nigaban is a, an Iranian actor who, again, you would instantly recognise. He's very good as a warlord. He's one of the only characters who doesn't seem completely contained by the surface level. That there might actually be a bit more depth. But they do err on the side of, you know, the noble savage a bit, that kind of level of politics, you know, where they're, everyone's, everyone on the American side's noble and doing things for the right reasons, including the command. Um, so, yeah, those, those kind of elements of it do hamstring the film, and that's why it's got such poor reviews, because it's a bit hard to deal with um, scenarios like this when you've got the politics of Rambo 3 involved. In fact, I think Rambo 3 was probably a little bit more sophisticated in its reading of stuff. So it's well worth watching if you like that kind of thing. Um, I think I gave Lone Survivor 8, 8.5 out of 10. Really, really good. And certainly um, the Firefighter film and the um, Event Horizon were excellent. Really, really liked them. All of those films steer clear of, of uh, sanctimonious politics and surface-level noise politics. And this one's failing is that it doesn't. Um, the mission itself is thrilling. The story is really good. And I'm, I was very surprised that this actually happened. I don't know why, how they thought that this would ever work. Um, so 12 strong, I would give a 6 out of 10. Um, it lets itself down a lot, but if you like this kind of war film, there's an awful lot to like about it. So uh, six out of ten. I like even even when they go back to the families, it's like watching Apollo Eleven, where they've got the 1960s housewives all sitting around the TV sort of thing, without any depth or any any anything further beyond that. So six out of ten for Twelve Strong, and this is going all the way back to the 90s. Uh, Future Sound of Londoner, a still existent.